Well, like I mentioned, we're continuing in our series called What a Mess, and we're going to focus on the message piece of the, of, of the mess. And today specifically, I want to speak to you about how to rise above the tension. Anybody feel some tensions out there as they walk through life these days, right? Tensions are pretty high right about now, and, and many people, I mean, for a lot of reasons, they're fearful, they're upset, they're irritated. Uh, you probably have encountered a few. Some of them are angry. Uh, a lot of people talking about, uh, you know, they're, they're not adhering to guidelines. Some people want to go back to work. Some others are resentful that they're being made to go back to work. I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about what we already all feel, which is that tensions are height right now. I will tell you that this week alone, I was at a local restaurant. My wife and I were there this week. We were having dinner, enjoying our dinner, of course, outside. When a man drives up and he walks out just cursing up a storm and saying stuff about, I can't believe. Basically, he didn't like the fact that he had to wear a mask. He walks in the restaurant, orders his food. Of course, he puts his mask on, walks out and continues to curse even louder. And then he starts saying things like, if one more person tells me one more time, just one more time, I'm going to hurt somebody. And, and, and we start now getting uncomfortable. We're just sitting there. And then he proceeds to go up to this poor innocent man that's just sitting out there waiting for his food, right, to pick up. And he starts going, anybody want to fight me? Anybody want to fight? And he starts kind of puffing his chest. And, of course, I raise my hand. And I'm, I'm <laughs> no. I, I don't want any part of that. <laughs> Can you imagine the headlines? Pastor beats up. Spreads the gospel by beating up this man, or worse yet, gets beat up. You know, gets beat up. Yeah. I started to feel really bad for this man. At first, I'm going to be honest. I was really angry for at first. I really was. I was, uh, man. There was a few guys there that we could have helped him out. You know, but I started thinking something's really bothering this man. And then I started thinking maybe there's some mental illness involved there. Something's going on with him that we don't understand. And then I started to give it off to some mental illness possibility when I started to think that, you know, that would be normal, but this is not the first, I mean, that, that would be the case, except that this is not the first time I witnessed something like that. Anybody else witnessed something weird like that over the last few months? Or am I the only one that keeps seeing these things unfold before my eyes over and over and over again? Tensions are high. Tension and conflict is a common happening, and it's really unavoidable these days. But here's the key to this morning, okay? Here's the key. How you deal with it, with this tension and this conflict that we all feel, is one of the most significant characteristics, <clears throat> excuse me, that you will demonstrate as a Christian. Think about that. We're all witnessing the same thing, but how you deal with it is one of the significant characteristics you will demonstrate as a Christian. Now, consider the case of the crow and the eagle. The crow is a smaller bird with, with some significant maneuverability. The eagle is a large bird with great physical strength. Now, the crow brings conflict to many people in the world. Certainly, a lot of farmers know that and understand this. But how does the eagle react when he encounters the crow? I mean, it could use its great strength to confront the crow and engage in that conflict as it feels that tension. It could actually use its talents to crush the crow, much like it does to catch a fish from a river. I mean, these are certainly viable methods of dealing with the conflict, and they both communicate 
a specific demeanor about the eagle and its strength. And the other way the eagle can deal with this conflict is to rise above it. You see, due to its own physical strength, the eagle can fly much higher than the crow in the air. And rising above the conflict to an altitude where the crow can't fly. This too is an interesting way of dealing with the conflict. And it communicates even a different demeanor than the direct, aggressive, frontal attack. So the question is, how do you deal with the tensions out there? Are you the crow bringing conflict into the situation, or are you the eagle? And if you are the eagle, because I'm sure everybody here is like eagles, do you engage your talents or your wings to soar over that conflict? You know, there's always times to use your talents and to engage, and, and times to use your wings to soar over the conflict. And knowing when and where requires discernment, it requires wisdom, and it requires for you to walk step in step with the Holy Spirit. And, you know, we talk about the Holy Spirit at church quite a bit, and we say it. We just sang about it. Every song we sang this morning is about the Holy Spirit. Yet I know that there's some of us that don't fully understand the function or the role of this thing that we call the Holy Spirit. And our understanding of the Holy Spirit has always been an important and critical part to a Christian's life. But I don't know. I just feel like it's of utmost importance today as we navigate whatever you want to call it, this new landscape, these troubled waters, this new normal. I mean, it's just so important for us today that we walk step in step with the Spirit because that is what's going to differentiate us as Christians in this unpredictable new landscape. When we are led by the Spirit, instead of going at it with our own strength, not only will we rise above the tensions and the conflict, but we become a godly example for all people looking in. And it communicates the right demeanor of a Christian. So what is the Holy Spirit, you might ask? Well, we talk about the Father. We understand the Father. Most of you guys have had an earthly father, so you get that. We can understand that concept. We understand the concept of a son. Some of us have sons, and we also know that Jesus was the son. So we understand the Father, the Son, and, but do we understand the Holy Spirit? What happens when we say Holy Spirit? People can understand something they see, but Spirit comes, you know, it tends to be a little vague. However, let me tell you, the Holy Spirit is God. It is a third part of the Trinity of the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It is not a knit. It is not a thing. It is a person. And the great news this morning is that it's in every single believer. The Holy Spirit, what does today is the same thing that Jesus did over 2,000 years ago. But, you know, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself because I really love this scripture that we read right at the beginning of one of those songs. And it comes from Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, the beginning of the Bible. And this is what it says. I'll read it to you again. It says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Ruah Elohim. That is the Greek phrase that it uses there to describe the Spirit of God. Ruach, which means breath. 
It means the wind. We just sang about all of that. It means spirit. First two verses in the Bible, and we see the Spirit of God or the Holy Spirit was already there at the beginning waiting to do something new, to bring order out of disorder, to bring harmony out of deformity, to bring beauty and to bring oldness out of newness, to bring out of deformity beauty is what I meant to say. Because the Holy Spirit always brings new things to our lives, New attitudes, new desires, even new ways of worship, even new songs. The Bible goes on to say, Then God created men and women in his image, and he breathed life into them. He created you, and he created me. And in the Old Testament, the Bible says who God chose to give his spirit to. He gave it to his chosen people, and he did it to guide them, to give them gifts for, for a particular time or for a particular purpose and to fulfill God's work on earth. For example, in the Old Testament, God, the Bible says, sent his spirit upon a man called Bezalel, giving him the, the, the gift of creativity and artistic knowledge so that he could craft like gems and stones and metal so that he would be able to build the Lord's temple. And then I think you guys have heard of this guy named Gideon. When the Spirit of God came upon Gideon, who was a weak and a fearful man, so he became this brave warrior that saved God's people. And of course, you guys have heard the story of Samson. The Bible says that when he was taken prisoner, God sent his Spirit to give him extraordinary strength. And this is what it says on Judges. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him in power. The ropes on his arms became like charred flax, and the bindings dropped from his hands. And then, again in the Old Testament, God filled others with his spirit for the purposes of prophecy so that he could, they could be the mouthpiece bringing direction and hope to his people. One of those is a man called Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah. And it says that the spirit came upon Isaiah to bring the good news of hope. And this is what the Bible says, Isaiah 61. And I'm going to show you Isaiah 61 as it reveals itself all the way through Scripture from the Old Testament, all the way to the New Testament, all the way to the beginning of the early church in Acts. It says, the spirit of the Lord came upon me, Isaiah speaking, because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim freedom from the captives and release from darkness from the prisoners, for the prisoner. And then upon the, the prophet Ezekiel, it says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. And then here's one of my favorites because he threw the prophet Joel, again in the Old Testament, and you guys can look all these up for yourself. Through the prophet Joel, we learn who this promise is for and how it will happen. Foretelling again what's about to happen in some future. He says, I will pour out my spirit on all the people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, and I will pour out my spirit in those days. And he's talking about right now, that that spirit is for you. You know, in the Old Testament, God's promise was that he would be able to do something new, not just for particular people, for in a particular time, for a particular task, but for all the people, regardless of age, gender, ethnicity, and race. 
You know, so often what happens in the Old Testament in a physical way happens in the New Testament in, in a spiritual way. And like I just told you about this, this man named Bezalel, he was given the spirit to craft and design the temple. The Holy Spirit always brings new things to our lives, new attitudes and new desires and, and new ways of worship. And whatever you do for work, whatever you do in your workplace, the Spirit wants to fill you with skill and ability and creativity. The Spirit can do all of that. And like Gideon, that I can relate to so much, God uses people who feel weak, inadequate, and ill-equipped. The Spirit can do that. And just like God's Spirit gave Samson the strength to break free from his bindings, so today the Holy Spirit gives the strength to break the habits, the addictions, the things that keep people spiritually bound. Yet, in the Old Testament, this promise remained unfulfilled for, for many, many years. Then with the birth of Jesus in the New Testament, we see this mass increase in activity in the Holy Spirit. In fact, everyone surrounding the birth of Jesus, the Bible says, was filled with the Holy Spirit. Think about that. Mary, the mother of Jesus, an angel comes to her and says, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Think about Mary's cousin, Elizabeth, who was pregnant with John the Baptist. The Bible says that when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then she has a baby called John the Baptist, and he, when he grew up, was the first to make a link between the Holy Spirit and Jesus. And this is what he says. John answered them, I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I will come the thongs of whose sandals I am not worth to untie. And it says he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Wow. You're starting to see the Old Spirit in the Old Testament bringing forward into the New Testament and how it's evolving and how it's about to, before this, enter you in a moment. You know, the original meaning of the word baptize means to overwhelm, to immerse, to drench. And, and this is what the Spirit wants to do. It wants to drench you. It wants to fill you. And then the Bible says that Jesus himself was completely filled with the Holy Spirit when he was baptized and by John. And immediately the Bible says that the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. What a beautiful sight. And then in a synagogue in his hometown of Nazareth, Jesus read the words of Isaiah, who I read to you before in the Old Testament. And then he applies those same words to himself. And he says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me now, Jesus speaking, because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. And then it says, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. On another occasion, Jesus went to this festival called the, the Feast of Tabernacles. And this is where thousands of Jews would go to Jerusalem, and they would celebrate and they would thank God for his provision of water in the past year and pray that he would do it again in the coming year. And there, at this feast, Jesus predicted the coming of the Spirit again to all of the people. And he says in John, whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, will have streams of living water. And by this, he meant the Spirit for all who would believe in him and that would later receive. Up until that time, like I mentioned, <clears throat> the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not been 
crucified and he had not rose again. And he was saying that the prophecies in Jeremiah, the prophecies in Ezekiel, and others would not be fulfilled in a person but upon himself. I'm sorry, would not be fulfilled in a place but on a person, meaning himself. And of course, after his death and resurrection, he comes back. And as you know, the scriptures say that he comes back after he he rises from the dead and he's walking and he sees about 500 people saw him. They see Jesus and some of those were his disciples. And while he's eating with his disciples after that, this is what he tells them. And this is where I think we, we, well, we should all pay attention to all of it. This is where it applies to us. It says, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift that my father promised you. He's speaking to you, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Moving forward in Acts, he says, this is the beginning of the early church. He says, you will receive power and the Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so they waited and they waited. And finally, one day on this day called the day of Pentecost, it says that suddenly a sound like a blowing wind of a violent, um, the sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them, all of them, it says, were filled with the Holy Spirit. Something amazing and even supernatural was happening. And people didn't know how to explain it, so they gave these natural responses like, man, they must have had too much wine to drink. They they must be drunk. And and then Peter, one of the disciples, got up and he says, you know, let me explain this to you. These people aren't drunk. It's only 9 in the morning, he says. This is the Holy Spirit. This is what was prophesied in the Old Testament. And then Peter quotes again the prophet Joel, who I read from you in the, the Old Testament. He says, in the last days, today, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all the people. Then he says something even more amazing. He says that this promise is for you. Again, in in Acts, Peter says, be baptized. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and it is for your children and all who are far off. Wow. He's talking about us. This promise of life and harmony of beauty for ashes, I mean, of ashes, creativity, this newness he talks about, this strength, this freedom, this, this passion, this anointing, this living water, the gift of the Holy Spirit, who at one time only came upon particular people for a particular purpose at a particular time, is now for you and for me. You know, Jesus' ministry on earth was to teach the things of the Father. He explained the law, he showed people their sin, and he brought comfort to those who believed. The role of the Spirit in us is to remind us of the words of Christ. He, the Spirit, is actively doing the work of Christ and was sent by Christ to indwell in believers. He lives inside of us. He cleans out these unwanted parts. And, and the Spirit kind of helps us harness our desires to love one another and to help those in need, you know, the, the, the brokenhearted, the captives. Folks, we live in a hard and difficult world. We know that. 
And there's a lot of tension, but God is, Spirit is working in us to help us keep our footing and to stand firm in faith. And when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we receive the Holy Spirit, and God's Spirit inside every single believer is in you all of the time. We don't have to have these experiences where we're shaking or these emotions where we jump and we shout and we cry. That's okay if you do, but it doesn't have to happen like that. We don't have to have an outward display of physical emotion to be indwelt with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit enters and it establishes a new relationship with us. That's amazing to me that, that, that God, when he left, he says, just wait for it. You're going to receive it. And then we have this power that we have when we receive the Holy Spirit. That's amazing to me. Paul says in Ephesians, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is the deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. The Holy Spirit marks us belonging to God, saying he is our salvation. The Spirit then becomes our direct line to Jesus, to the Father. He convicts us of sin and our need for righteousness in our lives. The Holy Spirit teaches us to obey the Lord and to trust him and to direct every single one of our steps. In fact, through the Spirit is when we learn to basically develop this greater reliance on the Lord and less on our human wisdom and our own strength and our own abilities. Because John tells us when the spirit of truth comes, he would guide you in all of the truth. Means he teaches us ways to see things deeper than what's on the surface. And he helps to point out blind spots in our, in our mind's eyes. You know, and some of those areas are not completely yielded or fully surrendered to God. So he helps us to see those. Paul keeps saying, I keep asking that God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you, it says, the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. The spirit helps us to know God better. He makes us wise. Folks, without the spirit, you can't understand the things of God. We need spiritual eyes in our hearts in order that we may be able to see God in ways and to be able to see him even more clearly. I mean, that's really when we begin to understand the mind of God, how he thinks, how, the knowledge that, that, how that knowledge will help us to have our daily walk, like I said, to walk step in step. You know, one of the most important things that the Holy Spirit does for us is to help us to learn and think like God. When his Spirit takes over our thoughts, that's when things happen because our priorities will change. Before Christ, it's all about me. It's all about what I need. It's all about what I could do, what I wanted, what I think it's best. But we have to remember that we don't belong to ourselves anymore. We, we belong to Christ. We've been bought at a price. So we are no longer our own. Paul tells us, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through, the wor through wordless groans. And I really love this verse. In fact, uh, Pastor Matt's going to talk more about it next week. Because it, the, it says that the Spirit helps us to pray. He guides us in, in what to pray for and how to pray. 
And we, when we're committed to, to praying seriously, the Spirit helps us to know what to pray for and how to bring God into our lives. And then it says that the Spirit intercedes for us even when we don't know what to pray for. That's amazing to me that sometimes we don't even know what to pray for and the Spirit just does it for us. The Spirit helps us to be everything that God wants us to be. You know, God called each of us to follow him, and he has given us a purpose and a hope. And he has given us the Spirit to help us accomplish all of it. That is our reason for allowing him and for doing what we do. I came across a, a quote from Francis Chan that I thought kind of summarized the things that we're going through and how important the Holy Spirit is to our lives. He says that the world is not moved by love and actions that are of human creation. And the church is not empowered to live differently from other gatherings of people without the Holy Spirit. But when believers live in the power of the Spirit, the evidence in their lives is supernatural. The church cannot help but be different, and the world cannot help but notice. Folks, as we head out these doors, I... I know this message is heady. I know there's a lot of scripture that talk about the Holy Spirit, but don't miss the main point, that that Holy Spirit is in you. We don't have to ask God, rain down. It's already in you. As you endeavor to walk out of these doors and to be a different person, think about how you're walking step in step with the Spirit. And if you don't feel you are, this is your chance today to go to God right now and say, God, I need to feel that. I need you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. So I'm going to call the worship team up. And I'll, as they come up, I just want to share. I made a list of the things that the Spirit reminds me of. And I want to share this list with you because it tells us that the Spirit makes us complete in Christ. It says that we are God's children, that we are Christ's friend. It says that we are united in the Lord. It says that we have been bought at a price, that we are members of the body of Christ, that we are saints and set apart, that we are established, anointed, and sealed, that we are citizens of heaven, that we are the salt and the light of the earth, that we are assured that all things work for God, that we are God's temple, that we are redeemed and forgiven, that we are personal witnesses to Christ, that we cannot be separated from the love of God. I mean, there's so many things. That, I have a longer list that we are a branch of the true vine. Basically, it says that we are complete in Christ, and it is the Holy Spirit that makes us complete as Christ. The Holy Spirit, the counselor, the helper, the guide, the gift giver, those are just a few words that the Bible uses to describe what is already at work within us. And then Paul tells us, instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. You know, worship, music, draws us closer to God and opens our ears to his voice. And when we spend time adoring him in gratitude and praise, our hearts synchronize with his. And as we strive to cultivate that relationship, as we seek, we begin to hear and know things that we didn't expect to hear and know. And when our focus is fully on God, we, we perceive the things of the Spirit. That's just how it works. When we truly want to hear His voice, 
He is faithful because the Spirit in us reveals it to us. And like I mentioned, sometimes we sing these songs and we say, like, Holy Spirit, rain down on me, which is not entirely accurate because it's already in us. Instead, we should probably be seeking that it completely stirs in us or that it would fill us all the way through. So I just encourage you that through this next song, I just want to encourage you to focus on allowing the Holy Spirit to do what only the Holy Spirit can do. You may want to sing along with the lyrics. You may want to just close your eyes and listen to the lyrics. You may want to ask God to fuel you, to stir in you, to speak to you through the Holy Spirit. And for some of you, this may be a daily occurrence. And for some other of you, this may feel a little awkward. This may be the first time that you seek that, and this may be the first time that you feel the Holy Spirit's leading. In either case, will you do that with me right now? Will we just seek the Holy Spirit through this next song? conditions of hearing the Holy Spirit voices to quiet all other voices going on in your head. So I'm going to ask you this moment just to bow your heads with me and close your eyes. And we're going to create this space over the next few minutes where we can try to quiet everything around us. Over the next couple of minutes, we're just going to play some music up here. And we're going to give you time to seek the Spirit's presence and His voice. You may find that it might take you a while to drown out all the noise. 
or all the plans you have for after the service, but I ask that you would just trust this process. Again, it may feel a little awkward, but let me just tell you that a God honors sincere appeals for his voice through the Holy Spirit. So will you do that now? Will you just sit in silence and seek his voice and his Holy Spirit? constantly thinking of all the things that are going on around our lives and all the problems that we need to deal with. Lord, help us to focus on you, your leading, your Holy Spirit. Lord, and I ask that you would even reward this time with your presence of your Holy Spirit. Lord, as we pour out our love to you, not because of the things that we want from you, Father, which is something we, how I typically come to you. Lord, but right now, because you are our priority, Father, will you let us enjoy your goodness as we seek your voice above all else, as we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit, Father, that is at work already in us. We thank you for that knowledge and that gift, Lord. And Father, we ask that it's just not this one occurrence, that it would be the beginning for some of us and a continued relationship with the Holy Spirit as we walk out of these doors. Father, that we would be led by the Spirit in the words that we say, in the actions that we take as we walk step in step with the Spirit. Father, we need your help. Lord, and it is that same Spirit that we're seeking right now for all the things that we're lacking, Father. Some of us are hurting this morning for a variety of reasons, Father, for loss of loved ones, for loss of health, Lord, for loss of jobs. There's lack of things, loss of so many things that we need you, Father. May it be your Holy Spirit that dwells in us, that would comfort us and bring us peace and give us courage and remind us of your promises, Lord, in your word. We thank you for this moment. And again, we thank you for the promise of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name.